Good morning, Ramsech Church. It's really good to be here. Um, I, haven't, I haven't been here before, but I've really, really been looking to share with you guys. And I got the privilege of being involved in the series you've been doing, Infinite Hope. So I'm just going to pray, and I'm going to dive right into my message. Father, thank you that you love your people. Because you love your people, you speak to your people. So this morning, Father, I pray for the hearts of everyone listening, that they would hear your voice, that you would transform their lives. Give me grace to speak and say the things that you want to say. In Jesus' name, amen. Be glorified. Great. So I have a a message for you today called, We Had Hoped. Christians should be the most hopeful people on the planet. We have a lot to be hopeful about. And when I say hopeful, I don't mean that plastic, smile, fragile kind of hope. I mean the kind of hope which is almost like sometimes the truck of life will flatten us. But we get up and we say, God is good. I have a bright future. He's still on the throne. That kind of hope. And don't we need that kind of hope in this season? So before we, before we go any further, let me just define hope from the scriptures for you. This is a great scripture, and it's probably familiar to you, but I want you to look out for two specific words in this scripture. Romans 8 verse 24 reads like this, and not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoption of sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what, he, for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. The scripture is saying that the hope is what we have between the period where we have the promise, now, everyday life, whatever the situation is, and the fulfillment of the promise. And it points out two very clear words that hope is. And that is expectation and endurance. So it's, it's expectation. We don't go, oh, okay, I'm, I'm facing some difficulties. Life is hard. I'll just, I'll just settle for whatever. That's not hope. And, and it's also not, I'm going to throw in the towel. This is just hard. It's, and it's, it's also not, I'm just going to take it into my own hands. You see, the, the, those, these two are both dangers. Either to throw in the trowel and give up and settle for less, or to take it into our own hands and become anxious and strive and try to make it happen in our own hands. The, the powerful thing about hope is it allows us to be both expectant and patiently enduring. I'm going to hang in there, but I'm going to wait patiently. And I'm still going to believe the best is possible. But I'm not going to take it by my own works. So that's the kind of hope we're talking about. Today's message is about how God can take our sometimes up and down fragile hope. And let's be honest, that's all of us sometimes. And turn it into what I would call indestructible hope. Scripture is Luke 24, verse 13 to 33. It's a little bit long, but it is so, so good. So let's read. Verse 13. 
That very day, and by the way, this is after Jesus has risen from the dead and he appears to two disciples, Cleopas and an unnamed disciple. That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they still stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, named Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And he said to them, What things? And they said to him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word, before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were, with, who, who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said. But him they did not see. And he said to them, O oh, foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets... He interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if he was going further, but they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is towards evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. And he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us whilst he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? Now, those words which I chose for the title, we had hoped. We had hoped. You can just hear the sadness in those words. Perhaps personalize those words for yourself. In 2020, you had hoped. What had you hoped? Let's go to this story, and I wonder if you noticed the strangeness of the story. So you've got these two disciples, one called Cleopas, and the other one, they don't, he doesn't even have a name in this, in this passage of Scripture. I would say two fairly random disciples. How did Jesus find them? So this is Jesus, and he's got a mission, and he's going back to heaven, and he stops and spends this long walk with two seemingly random disciples. I think the message is clearly in this passage here. Jesus knows where they are geographically, which is odd. But more than that, he knows where they are emotionally. Immediately, I, 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 get an, I get encouraged from the scripture because Jesus walks alongside them. 
and he's asking questions. He's getting into their hearts. You, you see the skillfulness with which he draws out what's really in their hearts. And you notice that the passage actually changes pace and things begin to happen the moment they verbalize the fact that they were deeply disappointed, hurt and in pain because they had hoped and their hopes were dashed. It sounds very simple, but the fact of the matter is it's, it's, it's often difficult for Christians to admit that we had hoped certain things. You see, often we have a wonderful cover-ups, Christian cover-ups, that sound really spiritual, like, oh, I know God had a plan in it. Oh, you know, maybe, maybe God closed the door, but he's going to open a window. I, 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 I never wanted that job anyway. She clearly was not the best person for me. You know what I mean. The problem is not what we are saying. It's the fact that we mask disappointment with spiritual language. And things begin to heal, and Christ begins to speak in situations when, we are, when we're able to say, Jesus, that's not the way things were meant to work out. I'm hurt. I'm frustrated. I'm scared. I, I can't believe I, I lost my job. Jesus, I, I thought that was going to work out, but it, it didn't. Jesus, it, it makes no sense to me that my business failed. Why weren't you there? It's in those moments where we say we had hoped that things begin to transform. Another thing that really stands out for me is Jesus' response. Now, Jesus must not have taken his pastoral course very seriously. Pastoral 101, these guys are hurting. And Jesus' words strike me as slightly surprising. You foolish and slow of heart to believe. Huh? Jesus? Surely not. What did Jesus expect? Did he expect them to be cowboys, cowboys don't cry? I can tell you that's not what Jesus expected. Because we see even in the scriptures, Jesus himself wept. Jesus himself, it says his heart was moved with compassion. So Jesus felt the darkness and the difficulty of life. That, that's not what he expected. I, I think in those words you see something pointed out that we should watch for. He says, oh, how slow of heart to believe. He's pointing to the problem and saying the problem is the heart. The problem is often... We are slow of heart, we're, we're tentative, we're holding back, we're hedging our bets. We don't want to go all in with our hearts because what if we're disappointed? And we think we protect ourselves from disappointment, but it's this very thing that causes us not to be able to handle it when the real difficulties and the storms of life hit. That needing to be in control so that the worst doesn't happen. So we keep our expectations and our hopes into manageable, small, into the realm of at least I know. Maybe, maybe, maybe I won't experience the highs, but I won't experience the deep lows. And Jesus says, why weren't you all in? His response is gentle, 
but make no mistake, he's adjusting their hearts. You see, in essence, Jesus has spent years with the disciples, and he's saying, he's going, he's walked on water, he's cast out demons, he's, they've been in difficult situations, and every time, Jesus, Jesus changes and transforms the situation, and he's showing them, and he's, he's making brilliant promises about himself. He's taught them who he is for years, and, and he's not saying, you should, you should feel better about the situation that you're in. Not that at all. He's just saying, why weren't your chips all in about me? You've seen me overcome. And I asked you to put your confidence in me. You see, Jesus, when he speaks about himself and when he spoke about himself in the Gospels, he didn't set the expectations low. There's no point in life where Jesus says, hey, keep your hopes low. When he makes claims about himself, you see with the story of Lazarus and, and Mary, Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. In other words, death will never have the final word. He makes tall claims about himself and he's calling us to be all in. To lose that safe hope kind of keeping where we, we keep hope in this safe box. And Jesus is like, no, I want to release in you, my people, a wild kind of indestructible hope that cannot be mastered by any situation. Sometimes it's going to be worse than you think. Sometimes life is going to get so dark you won't be able to figure your way out of it in your mind. But if you remember what I've said and if you put your heart all in, you'll still be hopeful. See, Christian hope is not that fragile hope, which is smiley, smiley, smiley on the days when it's good, but falls apart under real challenges. You see, the, the world is dark. One of the things this corona situation has taught us, things can always get worse. And I know that I'm speaking to people who may have lost deep loved ones, people that they loved. Maybe your business has fallen apart and you're like, this is not for play. And it's exactly in those moments where we need to realize that Jesus' words are that we're in a real war. Our hope is not in the fact that the war won't get bad. It's in the fact that there is someone who has already mastered the war. You see, this is, this is not motivational speaking. This is the facts of Scripture and Jesus' claim about himself. And at these times, the church gets to prove the fact that he is unmistakably good. Even in death, we say, where will death is your sting? My hope is in the resurrection. You see, we get stuck in our own stories. And Jesus invites into his story. His story is always bigger than ours. It's always wilder than ours. It always involves more than ours. But his story has an ending that is 100% certain. We win. And in that we can have hope. You see, Jesus can legitimately 
ask us to trust him without reservations, without reservation, no ifs, no buts, no nothing. A hundred percent. And if that doesn't feel slightly scary to you, you don't know what I'm talking about. I'm speaking about that wild hope. I remember watching the movie Dumb and Dumber. Many of you wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't know that movie. Some of you might. It was many, many years ago. But, but there's this great scene which I think speaks of how we Christians should be. So there's this guy who likes this lady and he's, he's sitting next to her and they're sitting at the bar and he goes, so what are my chances, you know? One in a hundred? One in a thousand? She turns to him and goes, mm, maybe more like one in a million. He smiles and goes, so you're telling me there's a chance. There's this wildly hopeful. But you see, he was deluded. We don't play the percentage game. We know with absolute certainty that whatever life throws at us, it's only getting brighter for us. Jesus has given us his word. How do we get indestructible hope? Indestructible hope is not a type of hope. It's who the hope is in. Let me read you a scripture that is a, a beautiful reminder of this. I'm going to read just the end. Hebrews 7, verse 17. It says, But by the power of an indestructible life. And the ideas of Melchizedek is saying Jesus is a high priest for us and is described. He says, this is how you can trust that the high priest's work for you actually works. And it says, because of the power of an indestructible life. It's saying this, in Jesus' death and resurrection, he's proven that there's absolutely nothing in life or death that can hold him down. His plan is absolutely certain. And then he says, he's fighting for you. That's what intercession is. He's fighting for you. So he's drawn us into a story that is bigger than ours. Have you noticed that at that moment we would have given those disciples a pep talk? We would have been, life isn't so bad. You can do it, champ. Come on, stand up. Come on, remember the good days. Isn't it funny that Jesus doesn't talk about their lives but talks about himself? It says that he goes and he begins starting from Moses and he tells them all that the scriptures have said about him. You know, one of the dangers that I've noticed in this time is to have these wonderful sounding platitudes that seem encouraging in the moment, but they don't give lasting hope. Can you see here? that what happens is that Jesus begins to unpack the Scriptures bit by bit for two hours. Rather than a rally, rather than an emotional shot of adrenaline, he gives them a teaching line upon line about himself. And it's, pro it's the simple things that they, heard, that they had heard before. Do you realize that? And yet their hearts burned. Have your hearts burned from simple truths like Jesus is in control of my life? You know, in seasons when you hit the rock bottom in hope, that simple scripture which you, thought, which you knew, all things work together for good. In seasons where your hope is tested, you finally know what that scripture means. Because Jesus, as you open the scriptures, begins to teach you 
the basics about who he is. And suddenly you're not hedging your bets anymore. You're starting to believe. Friends, David Bryant says this. I've heard it said among believers, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. I suppose it would be much more appropriate to say it this way. God loves his son and has a wonderful plan for him. And he loves you and me enough to give us a place in it. I end off with that. You know, the thing we need more is not to figure out our lives more deeply in this season. I know it's tempting in this season to go, oh, let me, let me, let me figure out what the scripture says about that and that and that and that. But what we most, 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 most need is to answer the question of who Jesus is in the world and then in our world and begin to follow him more closely. Because you see, Jesus has put us in himself. That's how God made sure that we knew that our hope would never be disappointed because he plugged us into Jesus. The scriptures say we are in Christ. And therefore, with the death and the resurrection of Christ, what we have is a hope that is absolutely indestructible, just as indestructible as Jesus himself. And so, when the world needs to see a picture of a church that is full of hope, let's turn our hope to him. A very practical, simple way you can do this. How about you read the book of Matthew? I know this is a challenge, right? So you might say to me, no, 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 no. My, 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 my family is struggling and I'm discouraged. Maybe I... What do you mean read the book of Matthew? I challenge you with this. Read the book of Matthew and figure out what Jesus is doing in the world. you will find a hope that cannot be dented by corona, that cannot be dented by job losses, that cannot be dented by racial strife in the world, that cannot be dented by the South African economy. You will find a hope as indestructible as Jesus Christ. That's what the world is looking for. That's what we're looking for. Blessings. Let me pray for us as I close. Father, even as we answer that question, we had hoped. We had hoped. Father, I, I pray that we would find our hope in Jesus Christ. I pray where we have a hope that can be quickly pushed aside by circumstance. Jesus, I pray that you breathe your plans into our hearts. Thank you that you've loved us enough to include us in your plans. Jesus, make your plans and your purposes so clear for us. Cause us to have an eternal perspective. Jesus, thank you that you have made your people indestructible in hope. Jesus, I speak a resurrection to expectations that we had had. Where we have grown dim and said, well, you know, I'm just going to survive the day. Jesus, we say no to that. We say no to believing that you can resurrect anything. We say yes to believing that even death never has the final word. 
We believe you. Amen. Bless you guys.